0: Uh, today, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, as you see uh, in front of us this morning, is uh, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper in just a little bit. And I was, I was thinking, I was like, Lord, I, out of all the things that we tend to uh, make into a habit, it's the Lord's Supper. I remember there was times in my life when I was a kid, you know, I, I wasn't saved I was lost, and I remember when, as they would pass the drink and they would pass the bread, and I remember as a kid how much I longed for wanting to do that. I was like, Lord, I just want to take. I just that looks like the greatest thing ever. But even in then, I didn't really realize until the day that I was 15 years old what it really meant that I was a sinner. And the moment that we look into that blood and we look into the body, that is a representation of what God has done for us and a remembrance of what God has done for us. And it is also a reminder that I was a sinner that sent him on the cross, amen? And so many times, and and Paul uh, is gonna remind us that even in the Corinthian church, even way back when, they had made the Lord's Supper into something that it shouldn't be. He warned them. He said, guys, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about remembering Him. They had made the Lord's Supper into a time of coming together and uh, these people would have these great feasts, but yet they, the, the rich and the wealthy would take all the food and leave the poor with nothing. And even though we say, well, we're not doing that today, but there is a time that we come into God's house and we take this Lord's Supper irreverently. We don't think about what it really means. We don't think about what the Bible says. The Bible warns us that if we take this in a bad way, when our eyes are not on God or if there's sin in our life, that God is going to allow some bad things to happen to us. Guys, there is a consequence to the things that we do, and I hope and pray that by the end of this sermon, we are ready to take the Lord's Supper. Set, there are two ordinances of the church. One, you've seen this morning, which is baptism. Two is the Lord's Supper, the communion, a time of giving thanks. The Lord's Supper is a valuable time for believers, and it is a valuable time for family to set together and remember who the Jesus is that unifies us. This world is more divided than it's ever been. You can look into today's world just this week of a church. Uh, I mean, guys, we've talked about, we've prayed about and starting a school years ago. God didn't work that out the way that we hoped. But imagine if it did in that church, the Covenant Church in Nashville, that was not a lot different than we are today, a first through sixth grade class. And in that moment that the evil of this world would ever think that it is okay or it is right to kill young, innocent people. That's the world we're living in. I remember, the, I remember Columbine was one of the first times that ever happened when I was in seventh grade. And it was something that we had never in imagined years would ever even thought would ever happen. Now, I looked up a stat just yesterday that oh, we have already had over 128 mass shootings in the United States just this year. We are living in a time where our world is growing further and further from God and the people, are. we have got to wake up and see the difference of what is being made and that is that God is being taken out every which way. Not only has he been kicked out of our schools, he's been kicked out of most of our churches, amen? And it is time that we remember the power of God in our life that he is the one, he is the only, and he is the one that can correct this situation. Not you and not I. But I, there was a stat that Troy actually shared with me this week that was actually absolutely saddened me. I forgot the name of the of the the the, the people that get it. Do you remember? It was the Wall Street Journal, yes. And in this stat, in 1998, they asked two questions. They asked in 1998 who believes that patriotism is important and who believes that God is important. Now, 25 years ago, don't seem Uh, When I was a kid, that seemed like an eternity. But now that I'm getting older, 25 years ago, when I was in seventh grade, seems like that was a blink of an eye. And in 25 years ago, 70% of people said patriotism was important and over 70% said God was important. Now we fast forward in time, we see the decay of our nation in just 25 years. I remember in 98, people thought we were in decay. Man, my goodness, what does another 25 years hold? And now the same question was answered just a few days ago. Now that went from 70%, now less than 30% believe that patriotism is important and less than 28% say that God is important. 25 years from now, if we go where we were going, it will be at 0% that believe God is important. And so many times we put our, our, our heads in the sand and we believe that everything's going to keep going. Guys, what we are today is an absolute minority in the world that we're living in. This is a rarity. There are so many more people out and about that don't even think about God. We're used to, families prayed together, used to, people would get up and go to church at least on Sunday morning, but now it is not even a, a thought in their process. Sunday has become just a new Saturday to most people. In fact, most people believe Sunday is better than Saturday because at least we can get rid of the church people and maybe we can beat them into the restaurants. It's truth. But Paul, the Lord's Supper, though, is a time to reflect. It is a time to think and to pray and to look back and a time of thanks. The Lord's Supper, again, is a valuable time for believers. It is not to be neglected. It is not to be thought of uh, in irreverence. Paul writes to the Corinth church, warning of this. But many today have become numb, habitual, and lost in tradition. I wonder how many times we come to God's house, and it's a good habit, but that cross should never become a habit. It is so easy to get caught up in just the humdrum, and this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to get up and come to church. Amen. You are, if you're a believer, but we, sh- we can come even into God's house and be so far away from God. We see the story of the prodigal son that we always focus on the one son. The one son goes off and he gets into the pigsty and he gets off into all the mess and God calls him back to the father's house and we like to focus on that prodigal. But we forget that there was another prodigal at home that was in God's house. There was a prodigal that was just as far from God while he was in the father's house that he looked the part, he acted the part, he seemed the part. But even if from the church pew, we can be a prodigal today. And I believe wholeheartedly that there might be some this morning that are a prodigal from the church pew. Guys, we have got to wake up and we have got to see the world that we're living and we have got to hit our knees again for a Savior to, make, uh, to come and to do what only he can do. It is encouraging to hear this great news from Honduras. It is encouraging to see uh, a young man uh, baptized this morning. You know what that tells me? That God is still saving, that his word still is strong, and his word is still powerful, and his word still reaches to those that will listen to the great news of the gospel. Amen. Verse 29 through 34, and then we're going to pray. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 29. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings that you give us. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for this time uh, to just to hear about the thief on the cross and that it had nothing to do with him and it had all to do with you, Jesus. Lord, we're no different than that thief. Lord, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve your mercy. But Lord, mercy, thank you, Jesus, for what you've bestowed on our life. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for what you've done. And in a world that is so dark, we still have you. And what a blessing that is. Lord, lead us and guide us and forgive us we fail. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 29 through 34, it talks about how much of a serious offense it is to take lightly this moment of thankfulness and remembrance. There's not a lot that we can offer God. Y'all know that? He's got it all. He's got everything that he possibly needs. The fact that he uses us at all is, uh, is amazing, right? He doesn't need any of us, but he, if God chooses so to use you, we need to be in thankfulness that he chooses to use us. But one thing that we can offer God and that we should offer God is thankfulness. We should never, ever get out of a spirit of being thankful for what God has done for each and every single one of us. It is so easy to take our eyes off of Jesus and to say, Lord, I've done something or I've earned this or I've earned that. I don't care how rich you are or how poor you are. We need to be thanking God for what we have at every moment of every second because we don't deserve any of it. What attitude, though, must we have as believers to receive a blessing instead of this correction? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. If we are going to take this Lord's Supper in a good way, in a a biblical way, what things do we need to do? Where where does our heart need to be set this morning to have a blessing instead of correction? First of all, we must remember, verse 23 and 26, through 23 through 26 it says, for I have received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a time to give thanks. Guys, I want you to envision the Last Supper of what was really going on in that moment. The Last Supper was the last time those disciples would ever be together the way that they always were. Those days that were heading up towards the cross, I believe, were pretty good days. But Jesus had warned them that the day was coming where he would go to a cross, but he told them, I'll be coming back in three days. But they didn't understand all of that. I believe that all you think of all the times and all the moments that these men had together, sitting beside Jesus, learning from him, talking to him. There's no doubt they were a very connected bunch. Now, maybe they fought from time to time. Maybe they argued of who was the best, or maybe they did a lot of the things that we, me and you do a lot of times. But the truth is, it was sweet days following Jesus. And the day had come to the Last Supper. We had just a, a play a little bit ago, um, a Blackout at Calvary, as the men sat here across the stage. Y'all remember that? And what a sweet time it was as they, uh, they had the meal and they passed each other the, the meat and the drink. And uh, I just wholeheartedly believe that they didn't know what was coming just a day later. But while they were in this moment and while they were with Jesus, Jesus could look ahead and know what was coming. He was already in tomorrow. He was already knowing what he was supposed to be coming for. And guys, I want you to understand the night of betrayal was coming. Judas, as he stood beside Jesus, Jesus is it I that will betray you. And the Bible says that God gave him the bread and the meat, and he said, the one that I give this will be the betrayer. And what it must have felt like in that moment where he handed it to Judas. And Judas knew in that moment, the man, the the Satan was all working all in him. And in that moment, Judas got up and left. I don't know what those men were thinking. Can you imagine that one of us guys that have been together for three years is gonna be a betrayer of Jesus? Can you believe it's Judas? I never in a million years ever thought it would be Judas. He was our treasurer. He was the one that was trusted with the money. He was the one that was doing this and doing that. I never thought it would be Judas. But in that moment, the night of betrayal had happened. The night that would change everything. The shadow of the cross was looming. The sin was knocking on the door of the upper room that night. Everything that was about to change, the Roman guards were about to be notified. They were about to understand where Jesus was. These men were about to leave into a world that would never be the same as it ever was before. And in that moment, there is all kinds of reason that these men should not be thankful. But we see that Jesus gave thanks. Amen. Guys, I want you to understand that I know this world has lost its ever-loving mind. We have forgot common sense, and we have left it on the uh, somewhere way far away. I guess we left it in 1998, I guess. But it seems the world has lost its mind, but that does not mean that we do not give thanks to an almighty Savior today, amen? When tragedy is on every corner, give thanks. When a child has went their own way, give thanks. When disease has hit your family, give thanks. When you have all the money in the world, give thanks. When you are broke and you don't know where your bills are gonna come, give thanks, When you're on the mountain, give thanks. When you're in the valley, give thanks. Why do you need to be giving thanks today? Because there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Amen. That there is nothing this world can throw at us. There is nothing so vile and so dirty that this cross still doesn't make a way for every sinner and every person that may come across that chasm so wide. Amen that this world may take everything from us. We might be all alone. Student, you might be the only Christian in your class, but you still have the cross. And there are some things that cannot be taken away, and that is the love of God for his people and that he loves us with an everlasting love. And in a world that is so distracted and that has forgotten that, let us as Christians today remember what the blood and the body means. Amen. Guys, there is always a reason to be thankful. Verse 24 to 25, he says, Remember my body and remember my blood. But God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. There is no place to glorify other than the way of the cross. We've forgotten that in most churches today. I had somebody come up to me Uh, This week I can't remember who it was. And they said, Brandon, you're old school. You preach on the cross and you preach on the blood and you preach on all these things. You're old school. No, 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 no. Why am I old school? That should be coming out of every pulpit and all across America. Why have we become, if we talk about the blood and we talk about sin and we talk about repentance, when has that become something that we don't hear in our pulpits anymore? Let me tell you something, friend. We can go to a lot of churches today and they can patty cake with you. They can do anything they want with you. They can tell you that you're good and you're great. Let me tell you something. They might make your world here a little bit better on earth, but you ain't going to get heaven. It is only by the way of the cross. And I understand that God says that if we we lift him up, if we live for Jesus, we are going to be looked on as bad guys. And it's okay, because in those moments when we're willing to stand for him, that's when God gives us the strength to stand, amen. amen? But guys, I want us to understand that we shall glory in nothing but the cross. Why must we remember? All that we have, guys, is the blood of Jesus. That's all we have today. If you had nothing else, you, I, I want you guys to understand as good as Jesus' teachings were, they didn't save you as good as God was as a teacher, and there's nobody that taught like Jesus taught, that didn't save you. There were miracles that he performed. The blind and the deaf and the lepers and all these things that Jesus did, did not save you. The life that he lived as perfect and holy as it was, it didn't save you. It was that moment that he was in will with the Father that he put his perfect holy self on a cross. That's right. yeah. And only by that are we saved, the Bible says, only by the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Yeah. Only by the blood. And we have forgotten this bloody book from cover to cover. That's right. I taught the kids on Wednesday night about Adam and Eve when they sinned. And how much and how perfect that Garden of Eden must have been. I mean, we think of the animals and everything was in perfection. I guess there wasn't even a weed that grew where it shouldn't. I can't even fathom that kind of world that God had bestowed on us and those people. But the moment that they sinned in consequence came into the world of their sin and they found themselves naked and they wanted to cover themselves. The first thing they did was cover their, their parts Let me tell you something, guys. Why didn't they cover their head? Why didn't they cover their feet? They covered the parts that they didn't want nobody to see. And the same sins that we're struggling with in today that is bringing the United States down are sexual sins. We have fallen ourselves into a place that we think it's okay. And God, if you, it's okay to look at this. And it's okay to do this. And it's okay to sleep here. And it's okay to not be married. It's okay to do all that. But God, when, 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 we, when we fall into sexual sin, it affects the mind, the body, and the soul. It affects everything. There's a reason why that's what they covered up. But what, what is so sad and, and, and is great at the same time is in a perfect world as they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, when they started to put that man-made religion on to cover their sin, God says that ain't good enough. And the Bible says that he gave them a skin to cover them. Even from the beginning of time, he said it's nothing but the blood that will cover sin. But somewhere in time, we have forgotten that it is only about Jesus and what he did on the cross Only by the blood. What can wash away our sin? Yep, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Two, not only must we remember, we must examine ourselves. Verse 27 through 28, it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. This meal is for sinners, but it is not to be taken in a sinful way. This meal that you're about to take is for sinners, but it is not to be taken in a sinful way. The Bible says to examine ourselves, to test ourselves, to show ourselves approved to examine, to judge yourself, to confess sin. You know what's the matter with our our world? Sin. Sin is absolutely destroying. And I hope and pray that today that we can look into our own lives this morning and to see what is out of bounds in our life. Before we take this, it is not about coming up here and confessing your sins before me. I don't want to know your sins, but there is importance to give them to God. I know he already knows them, but there's something humbling about giving them to him anyway. There's so many times that we can fool each other. You can fool me. I can fool you. You don't know me. All you know is the me that I show you on a Sunday morning. You don't know me. And I don't know you. The truth is the people that we are is the people that we are behind closed doors. We can put on the show. We can put on the jackets. We can put on the ties. So I can baptize. I can do this. I can get up and preach. I can get up and yell. I can get up and sweat. But you don't know me. And I can do all of this in the flesh. I can do all of this out of the will of God. I can do every single bit of this because I know how to do it, I guess. But let me tell you something. I will have no power in my life. I will have no peace in my life. I will have no comfort in my life until we hit our knees to God and say, God, cleanse my soul, cleanse me, set me right, put me on the right path, and return me to the joy of my salvation. And there are people that come into our church, Hillcrest Baptist Church, week after week, and they put on the same filth. They do the same thing. Guys, I want you to understand that doesn't mean God don't love you, but I'm telling you, if you feel that chastisement whooping, you need to understand there's a place that you can still go, and that is at the foot of the cross, and that God will set you up, He will set you free, and He will send you forward. Amen? But if we hold on to it, and we sit there in our pride, and we sit there and say, God, what are you going to do? I'm not worried. We risk a life that we don't want. We risk not even living to the life that we should have lived. We risk all of these things, but it is better to confess before God instead of reaping his whipping. Most of the time we examine everyone but ourselves. I'm going to take this 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 uh, the blood here in a moment, the, the juice. It's a lot more it represents a lot more than just welch's in a cup. But as we take it and we hold it in our hands, it is easy to sit there and say, man, I'm going to examine every single one of you. Where are they at this morning? Oh, I bet they should have been at the altar this morning. They should be getting this sin out of their life this morning. They should be doing this. I know where they're living. I know what they're doing. I know what this. This is for them. How dare they take this cup this morning? Let us us quit looking at one another. And look at ourselves. I don't care what your neighbor does. It doesn't matter what the neighbor does. It matters where you are with God. And when you are looking at that cup for yourself, you say, God, examine my soul. Shine a light in my life. Shine a light in the darkness. Shine a light where nobody sees. And Lord, set me straight before I take this meal. Lord, examine me. Lord, I don't want to take this as a, as a, a, in a bad way, in an irreverent way. We can't control or make others repent. Y'all know that. I mean, I wish that I had the power to make everybody repent and get saved. I would, I'd love it. I'd love to see the altars full every morning and I would love to see people lined out the door and I wish I could see thousands saved and I'll just an outpouring of God and a revival and I wish the youth would listen to me every Wednesday night, but they don't. But I wish I had the power to do that. But the truth is, I can't control anybody around me. But I can look at myself. And so many times we're praying for revival or we want revival and we want things to happen and we want, oh man, I just want to see God move, but we won't let him even move in our own life. I mean, how many times are we the stopping of revival? How many times are we the ones that step in the way? How many times has God called you to walk down this altar, but you sat there in your seat and you said, I ain't going to go nowhere. Maybe you were that person that people would have seen and they it would give them comfort or they would have gave them strength. We must listen to what God is telling us to do. Now, I, I, I want you to understand something. I would rather you never come to this altar if you don't mean it. I would rather you sit in your seat and, there, and just stay there. I, I respect that a lot more than to come down to this place as a show and as a masquerade to show us how holy we are. I wonder if today that God would come into our churches and flip over every table. I wonder if he would come into our place and said, you have made my house a den of thieves instead of a place of prayer. You've made it about your programs. You've made it about entertainment. You've made it about this. You've made it about that. But it is about the cross. I wonder how many times that God is looking into our lives wanting to rip the tables out from our lives. Chastening is God's way of dealing with his children. We can't have real communion with God when we have things in between us. Whatever today that needs to be gone needs to be gone. We've been through a lot in the last few months. Some good, some bad, some ugly. I'm going to be honest. Lord, I don't know. Take me out of here if I need it. But we've been through a lot. There's been a lot said. There's been a lot done. It's okay. We're human. We all make mistakes. We all are trying to follow God the best way we know how. And in that moment, sometimes we do good, sometimes we do bad. But I believe that our eyes must be on Jesus the whole way. But the thing is, guys, when negative happens and bad happens and things do start to separate us, and I believe that God is working now. I believe God is doing something now. Don't, don't, don't mistake me on that. But I want you to understand when things start to happen in our churches and things start to happen bad, it don't have to be in church. It can be anywhere. But there are little divisions that start to happen. There are little things that we start to think of our neighbor. There are little things that we start to think of our brother. There's little things that we start to think of our sister. Uh, Brother Mike Stone said it best. He says then negativity and resentment and all these things start to slip in and it turns into uh, an absolute mess. There comes a time though where we must let that stuff go because there is no better relationship that a brother and a sister in Christ should have. This cross is a unifier for all those that go across it. Now, this world doesn't understand that relationship that we have with each other. That although we might fight, and though we may get mad, and though we may get angry, there's still a cross that unifies us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And please, guys, do not ever let that be torn asunder because our world is needing Christians to be unified together. Now, this world might be an absolute... Mass. But we can be in the middle of it, linked together. And guys, the God will do an amazing work when His people are unified for one purpose and for one reason, and that is to push the cross of Calvary forward. We can't have real communion, though, when we have these things between us. And whatever it is today, whatever it is, whether it's sin, whether it's relationships, whether it's something we think about somebody, somebody's got to be brave enough and trust God enough to go to a person and say, I will not take communion today until I pray with you, until I get this straight, until I get this right, until I want to go forward where God wants me to be. Three, we must look at each other. It says, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. This supper that we are about to take should unify us. Taking this as brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a family meal. We must love one another. Do not take this supper... One, if you're not saved this morning. If you are not saved and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and you know deep down in your heart that you have never truly trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, saying, God, I'll go and I'll be and I'll say what you want me to say, then let it pass you by. That's okay. We don't have to put on charades. We don't have to put on, i want to pretend that I'm saved today. Let it go. Examine your heart to say that I'm not going to take this just to trick people. Two, if you are somebody that is not right with Jesus and you have unrepentant sin in your life, you got things that you're holding against one another. If you got things that are not right, let this pass you by. And you say, well, Brandon, we've never done it that way. We always just take it. That's what God is talking about. Stop it. It don't have nothing to do with your salvation, but it has to do where you are with Jesus right now as you're in your walk of salvation. Yeah. That we sit here and we take the body and we take the blood, but yet our lives are so far from God. He says you drink condemnation on yourself if we're living that way. Guys, examine ourselves right here in this moment to say, God, I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to turn. I'm ready to be where you want me to be. I want to be where I was with the moment that I was saved. Uh, the young man this morning said he was so excited and he had so zeal and he was just, I can't wait to get in there. But yet somewhere in time, man, we are just like, I, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. Lord, set me afire again. You used to work, you used to do this, you used to serve. Let me tell you something. If you don't serve Jesus, you ain't ever going to have the joy of Jesus in your life. It is through service and serving others that we get fulfillment in our life. And there might be people in here today that just need to get that set straight. Do not take if you are not right with God this morning. And what we are going to do before we get started is we're going to go into our moment of invitation we have plenty of time left. The restaurants will still be there, I promise you. But there is a time that we need to pray together. We pray on Wednesday nights, but I'm going to be honest with you, I don't see all of you on Wednesday nights. But the church should be unified and together in prayer. It was preached, it was prayed just last week. When we call upon Jesus' name, when we pray, He gives us a promise that He will heal our lands Now, I'm not telling you that he's going to heal all of America, but he will heal the lands here. He'll heal the lands in your heart. He will do it immediately if we trust in him and pray him together. And there is something powerful about the men and women of God in unison calling upon the name of Jesus to do something only he can do. And I want something that I, I, this is something else I'm on challenge. We have so many wonderful older members of this church And I believe that some of you are the greatest prayer warriors that we have. Are you with me? 1998 and beyond, we ain't praying anymore. You lived in a time where people still loved God. Now I need you to get on your knees and to call out to God for the people coming up now. To say that I was a mama that prayed, I need you to be a mama that prays now. I was a daddy that prayed, I need you to be a daddy that prays now. This world is calling on its people. God is calling his people to say, Lord, set us right. And you say, well, Brendan, I have nothing to offer. There are people in this room week after week that have so much to offer. And you say, well, Brendan, I can't do this. I can't do that. Let me tell you something. But a lot of our, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of our prayers are hitting the ceiling right now. Yeah. But there are people in this room that your prayers are going straight to the throne of heaven. And I need you to hit hit your knees in prayer to say, God, heal our land. Because we still have youngins growing up in this mess. God has not returned in glory yet, and I still got a young family. You see the young children. You see all the people that depend on the prayers of the people. God, throughout his scripture, has said, man, he intercedes when people intercede. And there can be intercessory prayer today. People always ask, why is God blessing? Why is he doing this? Why People are getting saved. People are, are doing this, they're doing that, and it's so good. God's blessing is on this church. Amen. But I'm a believer that often we think that the blessing has to do with us. And the reason why the blessing is coming because, oh, i it's because I'm preaching so good. No, I don't. God is so good because there might be just one person in this room that prayed a prayer 25 years ago for God to have protection on this place. There might have been one that years ago said, Lord, I want you to this Hillcrest Baptist Church, Baptist Church to be a place where people are saved. I want the Hillcrest Baptist Church to be a place that's different. There's people that are saved all along this place week after week or year after year, and you say, well, man, it had to do with the preaching. No, it might have had to do with the mama praying. It might have had to do with the daddy saying, I'm not going to let my child go, and I'm going to pray for him even when he's going wild. I'm going to tell you something, guys. The power of God is real, and he is true. And I'm telling you, if the people of God will start to pray again, we will see great things happen. But it is a time to come together in prayer for our country, for our youth, for our families, for our joy, for our walks, for our relationships, for our church, for our future pastor, for God to awaken us. And there's been a lot of sleepy people, but it is time to wake up and to get real with what God is doing. And so whatever God is calling you to do today, I'm not challenging you to come. You say, well, Brenda, I don't know what to do. Grab somebody by the arm and say, I just want to pray with you. Get your group of friends. Get your people that you trust. Get the people and say, I just want to hit my knees in prayer with you. You say, "Well, and I, I'm worried about our next pastor. Grab the, grab, the, grab the guys on the team and say, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for wisdom over you. I want to pray that God tells you what to do. I want to pray. On, we expect God to move, but we never ask God to move. Yeah, right. And God is telling us in this moment, what is it going to take in your nation? What must I do to drive you to your knees? cause of killing of babies ain't enough. The attack on marriage ain't enough. Young people being killed in school ain't enough. Don't you see where we are going? When are the people of God going to get real and say enough is enough and I'm going to go to the Savior who can stop this mess? Amen. Guys, it is time to move. Now, we're going to go into this moment of, uh, of Lord's Supper in just a moment. As soon as invitation is over, we're going to go back to our seat, and we are going to take this meal. And, uh, but until then, this altar is about to be open. I'm not going to beg people to come down and get saved. I'm not going to beg you to come down and get rededicated. I'm not going to come down and uh, beg you to join our church. Whatever God is calling you to do, do it. You say, I bring, I want to be here, come. You want to be lo- you're lost, and you want to be saved, come. If you say, I, I'm Lord, I'm just ready to be set afire at the beginning my life, come. Whatever God is stirring you to do, come. But the last thing we need to do is sit there in our pride and just sit and just not do anything that God is calling us to do. So whatever God is calling, let's go. You need me, I will pray with you. You need Brother David, he'll pray with you. You know, need Brother Chris or grab anybody by the arm and say that I'm heartbroken over our land. I'm heartbroken over our country. I'm heartbroken about where we are. Let's go. Let's pray. Because I can't, but God can.